Welcome to Love, Lead, Listen, a podcast from Alpha Gamma Delta. I'm your host, Emily Bice. Join us as we discuss topics that affect women of today and examine the ways that we can be women with purpose. Welcome back to Love, Lead, Listen. Today I have Jen Weaver, who is a psychotherapist with Polaris Consulting. Jen, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So can you tell me a little bit about what you do? So uh, my business partner and I run a mental health practice and wellness consulting business out of Rhode Island, uh, Polaris Counseling and Consulting. And we spend about half of our time working um, on the couch with patients. And then we spend about half of our time traveling and working um, some wellness contracts with different companies, sort of looking at their overall wellness and how we can improve that for them. So it's more than just sitting with someone and talking it out, right? Yeah, it's more than that. It's it's sort of this balance of psychotherapy is great, and obviously I'm a huge proponent of it, um, but there's also has to be this everyday wellness, whether it's at home, whether it's in relationships, whether it's at work. Wellness has to be part of your lifestyle. Can you define what wellness is? I know there's a lot of people, it's a term that we throw out there a lot. What is your definition of that? Right. It's become a fairly pop-psych term, I think, and it's a, a pretty trendy term right now. But I think wellness is this idea that I'm taking care of myself as a whole person. So I'm taking care of my mental health, but I'm also taking care of the boundaries in my relationships. I'm taking care of how I communicate with my partner and my family members. I'm um, taking care of my environment at work, my home environment, um, the boundaries I'm setting with coworkers potentially, and allowing my life to just sort of be as positive of a place for me as it can be. That kind of sounds like what we describe as self-care sometimes, right? Right, right. So when we talk about self-care, would you call that like wellness in general as well? Yeah, I think self-care is probably the path that we take to overall wellness, right? I think self-care is the more tangible activities or tasks that we give ourselves to achieve wellness. Sometimes we think of it as do A, B, C, D, and that's self-care or wellness, right? Right, right. So when you're describing wellness, you're talking about all these different elements from your physical environmental well-being to your mental well-being. How do you see people, I guess, grow their wellness isn't the correct term, but how do you see them increase their wellness through those different aspects? Because it seems like a holistic approach rather than a one thing. Right. And it's it's definitely more of a whole person approach. And research has really shown in the last decade or so that treating the whole person um, is more effective than treating bits and pieces of the person. Right. And I think what we see is that overall people feel better and they feel better when they sit on the couch and they talk about all the different aspects of their lives. So. They don't just feel better at work. They also feel better at home. They feel like they're sleeping better. They feel like their relationships are a little more consistent and concrete. They feel like their friendships are a little more fulfilling because maybe they've really figured out who should be in their friend circle and who shouldn't. And they're feeling healthier as an individual. They're feeling like their intellectual needs are being met. Their emotional needs are being met. So I think when someone finally sits on the couch and says, you know, we always joke and say the best problem to have is when you're driving to therapy, not knowing what you're going to talk about. and you know, people get there and say, like, I'm, I'm really anxious. Today. I don't know what I want to talk about. And I'll say, well, do you not know what you want to talk about? Because there's too many things to talk about. And they'll say, no, I don't know what I want to talk about because I'm actually kind of feeling good. And I'm like, that's a great problem to have. It's a great problem to be driving to therapy saying, I'm not quite sure what I should talk about today because there's really nothing to talk about. I think that's something that sometimes we don't embrace as a culture. We're like, oh, there's always something to improve. But sometimes you can just be, be. well. Yeah. 
And you're right. There's always something to improve. But I think, unfortunately, as a culture, we tend to embrace the negative. And an interesting um, exercise we give patients all the time is patients come in all the time and they they give me a litany of things they need to work on in their lives, things that they're not happy with, things they can fix. And then before they leave their initial session, I'll say, awesome, give me three things you're really good at. And people struggle with that question or they'll say, you know, the generic, like, I'm a great friend. And I'm like, OK, cool. But like, what's a great friend mean? People really struggle with talking about the positive things in their lives because we're kind of taught as a society to not focus on that. And that that's bragging or that's not OK. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's this idea of just we can always improve, but it's also okay to just be okay with who you are mm -hmm. and to feel like, okay, this is a general sense of wellness for me and I'm, I'm good with that. I actually have a friend that every time I say something negative about myself to her, she'll tell me I have to say three positive things about yeah. myself. I like it. And it's just such an interesting dynamic to have where you have to, instead of like thinking of that one negative, you have to replace it with three positives. Yeah, your brain has to have the opportunity to hear the alternatives. Because if you don't give your brain the opportunity to hear the alternatives, it's only going to believe what it hears. Well, and it's important for you to tell it, too. It's not right. just external people saying mm -hmm. it. It's important for you to tell yourself those three things or how many positive right. things. Because if someone else is saying it, it's like your mom telling you right. you're pretty when you're growing up. Like, you're well, like, you're my mom. Yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're saying it to yourself, that I feel like that almost has a greater value in some ways. Right. I agree. I agree. You have to believe the good things about yourself. If you don't, no one else will. So what's the point? Exactly. You have to value yourself before someone else will value you. Absolutely. So along with those three things, that three things exercise, when you see people having you know negative thoughts or you're not focusing on the positives, what else do you recommend for them? Another exercise I give people is, you know, you just kind of, we made the joke about your mom, but I'll say, um, call your loved ones, ask them what you're good at. You might be surprised what they say. And maybe you don't call your mom because your mom will give you 39 things on your list. But I'll always say, like, call your best friend and say, you know, my therapist gave me a homework assignment. She told me to call you and ask me three things to ask you three things that I'm good at. And people will bring that back to the couch and they often have some really interesting things where they'll say, they'll roll their eyes and say, you know, my friend said, I'm really thoughtful. And I'll say, okay, well, stop rolling your eyes for a second and tell me, give me some examples as to why your friend may have said that. What have you done for her that potentially she saw as really thoughtful? And they'll say, well, I always grab her a coffee when I know she's stuck at work and I'll just leave it on her desk. And I'll say, well, that is incredibly thoughtful. Some people wouldn't do that. Sometimes I'm so busy, I don't think to get coffee for other people. So being the person who remembers another person is incredibly thoughtful. And so I think sometimes, yes, we have to be able to say it to ourselves. But sometimes it starts with sort of reaching out to other people because they see us in a different light. We often see ourselves much more negatively than we tend to see other people, especially the people close to us. So usually they are the people who have that and can give that information to you. It's almost like a sounding board, right? Right. Absolutely. It's nice to have that brainstorm. Mm -hmm. Build off the other, other person's ideas. Right. People are around you because they like you. So sometimes it's important to know, why do you like me? We do it in couples counseling a lot. When at the, at the end of the first couples, you know, they come in and they fight and they tell us all the horrible things about each other and we have to stop them like nine times. But eventually we will say to them like, all right, real quick before you leave, tell me what you like about the other person. I know you love them, but love and like are two different things. So now tell me what you like about them. And it's always interesting to see what couples say. And I'm like, OK, it's really important to hear what your partner is saying they like about you because they're with you for a reason. Yeah. People don't hang around you because they dislike you. Right. Absolutely. So kind of getting back to this idea of wellness, um, relationships play into that for sure. And we kind of talked about that with 
using the people around you and the relationships you have as a sounding board. I think sometimes as a culture, we kind of get into this like self-care, mm-hmm. like cliche where it's like, okay, you're having a bad day. Go take a bubble bath and put on a face right. mask sort of thing. But that's not the reality, is it? No. The self-care? I think, I think, sure. That's your, that's your go-to baseline self-care. I mean, I packed a face mask um, before I traveled to Indy this week. Nothing um, wrong with that. No, yeah. and, and listen, I'm all about the face masks and I'm all about the bubble baths, but sometimes it's more than yoga. Sometimes self-care is saying to yourself, like, I used to really love to read and I haven't read a book for enjoyment in a year. Okay, girl, get a book. Like if you love to read, that is self-care taking care of you. Self-care by definition is choosing me. So sometimes that means saying no to that dinner that I feel obligated to attend because I just want to be home one night this week because I haven't been home. Or sometimes self-care is saying no to that dinner I feel obligated to attend because I haven't grocery shopped in two weeks and I really feel sort of chaotic when my house isn't in order. So self-care is choosing you and understanding that setting boundaries and saying no is perfectly okay. I like that it's not just doing an extra thing of bubble bath going to yoga, it can be doing the basics or it can be doing not a thing. Yeah. You know, it's and I've said this in multiple AlphaGam webinars we've had. So people have heard me say this, but self-care is not watching eight hours of Netflix every day for a week. Self-care is watching eight hours of Netflix on a Saturday when you haven't allowed yourself to do it in seven weeks. Sometimes self-care is I'm showering, I'm putting new pajamas on and I'm not leaving my house today. Now, if you do that every week, that's potentially depression. Um, But if you are doing that once a month, you know, every two months, that's self-care. That's choosing you. It's, it's, It's okay to not do a thing. We tend to roll into this thing of like, oh, I'm self-care, watching a lot of Netflix every day sort of thing. And it's like, oh, well, is that really caring for yourself right, when you're doing that? that's potentially the opposite of self-care at yeah. that point. is that being harmful to yourself? And I think that's an interesting line to think about when you think about self-care and making sure that you are being mindful of it holistically and not right. just like two little things, right? Right. And, you know, we talk about multiple needs of self-care, right? You have your emotional needs that need to be met and that needs to be met internally, but also through a partner. You have your romantic needs that need to be met. And for some people, that means having a partner. For some people, that means dating. For some people, that means not having a partner. We have our occupational needs that need to be met, our spiritual or religious needs that need to be met, our physical needs that need to be met. And we have all these needs. And it's about you really have to look at yourself as a whole person. And, you know, if you look at your needs and people can't see me do this, but I'm making a circle and a wheel, it's this idea that if your needs go around in a wheel and you're only filling certain needs and not others, the wheel won't roll. Right. So we need a fairly balanced wheel of needs so that the wheel will roll. The wheel can be small because maybe you're only feeding all the needs a little bit, but that's okay As long as it's balanced and the wheel can, can roll, we can grow from there. And I think it's about seeing yourself as a person. Plenty of people get up every day, they eat really well, they exercise, and they have awful relationships. And then they go to a job that they hate. Girl, you can work out every day of the year for the rest of your life. If you are miserable at work and you do not have relationships that are fulfilling, sure, working out may be great for your heart, but the stress that you're putting on your heart emotionally and occupationally is doing the opposite. So you got to work on the other things as well. Yeah, you have to think of it. You're more than just like a, a machine with absolutely. little little pieces. You have to think of yourself as a person. Right, absolutely. And I like that you mentioned that relationships are an important part too because I think that's something that sometimes we'll brush off as like an important part mm-hmm. of our lives, right? You don't necessarily put as much effort in as you need, especially as a young professional or someone that just graduates college where 
you are used to having people next living next right, door to you or right. like in the same apartment. Now you're older and you're having to put more effort into those relationships and they do matter as part right. of the whole person, right? And adult adulting is tough. It is more than remembering to pay your electric bill, although that's definitely something we have to get used to. Sometimes. I know, I know. <laughs> like I forgot that that was due every 30 days. But yeah, adulting is also about making yourself accessible to be social. And I think you're right. When you are in high school or grade school, there are 20 other people who are in the room with you all day. They're forced to eat lunch with you. You spend six hours together a day. Your parents are friends. You have built-in friends. When you go to college, you have live-in friends, mm-hmm. right? After college, typically that extends for a few years after college. But once women tend to reach their late 20s or early 30s, they'll start to say to me, like, I don't know, like, I moved out of the town I went to college in. I don't really have any friends around here. And it's like, well, what do you do to make friends? And they're like, well, I don't – I'm like – Right. If you meet a friend randomly on the street, you should not be friends with that person. It sounds like an unsafe (laughs) way to meet a friend. So you have to be accessible. And sometimes that means, you know, joining a yoga studio, joining a kickboxing class, um, joining a book club, um, just being accessible to actually meeting friends because adulting is hard in that way that we don't have those built in friends that we had for the first 20, 25 years of our lives. You have to put that effort in. It's not built in friends like you were saying. And that is such an important part of being a holistic person because humans are inherently social, Um, even the most introverted introvert. Right. We still need people. Yeah. At some point, you're going to need a human contact. And it's about putting the effort in, too, to have the right relationships. Mm -hmm. Just because we've known someone for 20 years, if they, for the last 20 years, have been taking more than they've been giving, I'm not saying cut them off. I'm saying maybe they're not the pinnacle of our social circle. Because we also need relationships to be fulfilling and not only draining. So I think sometimes it's this idea of like take some inventory in what your social circle looks like and you may need to consider augmenting that a bit. And it may just be like I need friends who connect with me emotionally. I need friends who are on that emotional level with me. Just because I've known you for 20 years doesn't mean that our emotional needs are in sync. So I may need someone who can connect with me on that level. Or maybe I do need a friend who really doesn't connect with me sort of all that emotionally, but is a great distraction. She has a great story to tell. She will drop anything and meet me at the gym. She's the person I need when I just need to take my mind off things. So also having varying levels of healthy relationships can be really important because we need different people at different times. No one person has to be all of it for you. That's all sounds a little unhealthy. It's also the definition of codependency. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to think of self-care is more than just taking care of yourself in terms of physicality, but also your relationships. And even I think we get into issues with that when you think about your relationships with parents and family as you get older, that can also be a little bit of a struggle, right? It's interesting because I think people have the hardest time setting boundaries with people they are related to. And they are often the people you need to set boundaries with the most. And people have guilt over that. And it's this idea of guilt initially existed to signal to us that we were harming another individual, right? Not wanting to spend three hours at your aunt's house listening to her complain about her kids is not harming your aunt. So spending half an hour with your aunt having coffee and then saying to her, like, I love you so much. Um, I actually have to get to a yoga class, um, but maybe next week I'll swing by for another coffee. is a perfect boundary. You know, I think it's it's okay to set boundaries with the people we love. And even if it's hard, that's all that's also self-care. Right. Right. It's because people end up in therapy over taking care of their loved ones in ways that maybe we don't need to take care of them. So I'm not talking about your 93 year old grandmother who maybe needs a little assistance, you know, getting to the doctor's office. That's not what I'm talking about. 
please take your grandma to the doctor. <laughs> right, take your, take your grandmother to the doctor. Um, I'm talking about the friend who's like, oh, my mom calls me four times a day and she's always so upset with my dad. Okay, well, your role with your mom is not relationship therapist. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to say, listen, mom, I love you. Do you need me to help you find someone to talk to? Like, what do you need? And I think that phrase can be really powerful in relationships when we're setting boundaries, this idea of what do you need? What can I do for you? But it's also about remembering, like, you shouldn't be in therapy because your mom calls you four times today to talk about your dad. That's a poor boundary. <laughs> yes. Right? Start by setting that boundary. And recognize, I think recognizing that boundaries are okay. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we think that if you set a boundary, that's a bad thing. Or, like, confrontation right. can be a bad thing. But it's not always. No, and I think... You know, Daryl and I love this term that you guys use. You, We've heard it in Alphagam before, this term of carefrontation, this idea that I care about you, so I'm going to sort of confront this issue. And I think it's okay to say, like, Mom, I love you, and I care very strongly about our relationship, and I always want our dynamic to be healthy and good. So because of that, I can't really be the sounding board for you about Dad because I love him too. So I don't ever want our relationship to be tainted by that. So I want you to be able to talk about Dad, but let's find who you can talk to talk about dad too. It's the giving them that care and then giving them other resources, right? Not just right. kind of shutting the door. Right. In some cases that might be useful, but it might not be useful for your overall wellness to completely shut the door on someone, right? right. And listen, you get to keep the door open completely. Just see that as a choice. You are a consenting adult. So if mom calls four or five times a day to talk about dad and you answer the phone every time and you listen to her until she's done talking, you are a consenting adult who has chosen to be part of that dynamic. And I will tell you that you will sit on my couch and I will say like, listen, I'm not your mom's therapist. I'm not going to call her and tell her to stop. I'm going to tell you to. Right. So when you see people that are kind of struggling with kind of going back to the idea of the whole wheel and you see people that are struggling with filling the different little parts of that wheel, what do you recommend for them to start and like start focusing on the little parts that they're not fulfilling? Usually we'll sort of break down all the needs of the wheel, right? I'll say, okay, make a list of how you are meeting your intellectual needs. Mm -hmm. They'll say, well, I went to college and I'll say, great, you're 42. So in the last 20 years, what have you been doing to meet your intellectual needs? When was the last time you learned something? And sometimes it's learning something practical. Sometimes it's learning something some somewhat impractical, maybe, um, you know, making wall art out of wine corks. Um, great. It's it's a new thing to learn. But um, they actually have these new classes you can take on how to um, make wall art out of moss. Really? Um, it's actually very pretty. I would probably destroy it. But it's very, very pretty. Probably wildly impractical. You're not going to become a a moss artist. But it's this idea of like, but you can try, (laughs) you can dream. But I think sometimes just learning something new meets our intellectual needs. Reading Reading a book that teaches you something, just Googling and learning about things, I think can be really interesting. And then it's about like, okay, who, how are your emotional needs met? How, who do you talk to about your feelings? Do you journal? Do you take self-inventory? How are your social needs met? And people will say to me all the time, like, well, I'm just a homebody. Okay, cool. But like, you also need to get out and meet somebody. Um, how are your physical needs being met? Well, I need to exercise. That's always what people say to me, right? I need to go to the gym. And I'm like, listen, not everyone is a gym person. You just need to figure out what that means for you. Physical needs might be taking a 30-minute walk every day during your lunch break. It means something different to everybody. I'm not saying you have to become a gym rat because sometimes that actually stresses people out. So it's about like just figuring, even if it's stretching in the morning while you watch the Today Show, just figuring out what your physical needs would be. So often what we do is list all those all those needs and sort of say like, what are those? And I think actually the need that we find the most difficult for people to fill is when we talk about the spiritual need because people will say like, I'm not religious. 
And I'll say, okay, you actually don't have to be religious to be spiritual. Spiritual is just sort of this different thing. And it it might just be connecting with nature every day. It's just kind of believing in something bigger than yourself. This idea that, you know, there is something out there bigger than me, even if it's just nature. And or people will say, like, I used to be religious, but I haven't gone to church in a long time. And I'll say, okay, but maybe we start with meditation. Or if you are religious, maybe you just start with prayer. And it's this idea of that's the need that it seems we're in an era where people get stuck, where they almost feel like that's a need that doesn't need to be filled. And it's like, it is. You just need to figure out what that is for you and what that means for you as a person. Yeah. I think that's important that it's for what it means for you as a person. Right. It's not just a one size fits all sort of thing. Right. They'll say, well, I grew up this religion, but I don't practice anymore. And I'll say, okay, you actually don't have to practice. That's not what I'm suggesting. Mm -hmm. However, if you are religious, that works wonders in therapy where people will say like, this works really well for me. And we'll say, awesome, cool. Keep with it. If religion's not your thing, let's, let's figure out what might be your thing. And it, it may just be meditations sessions. It may just be going for a hike and just sitting on a rock for 30 minutes and just kind of staring out and just realizing the world is bigger than you. It's a hard lesson to learn sometimes because it's easy to become self-centered and think, oh, the world, not that the world revolves around you, but only my world matters. Yeah. I think that's where people get stuck. Yeah. And there's just so much more out there. And that would be a big part of well-being as being part of something more. Right. Right. Exactly. So we're at the part of our podcast where we like to ask our guests this one question, which is, what is your purpose? Oh, that is a good one. Um, I don't quite know that I have entirely figured it out. Which is okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm kind of on that journey. I do think I'm being pulled towards this continual helping place, this place of sort of conceptualizing all this information about mental health and wellness and psychotherapy and being able to work with people to figure out how that works them. I think in high school, I knew in high school I wanted to be a psychotherapist, but I think I thought I wanted to sit there and diagnose people and really work on their mental health. And while I love that, I think it has evolved into really working with people as a whole person. And through that, I think I have definitely grown. I am not who I was at 22. I am uh, much more open. I am much more humble. I am much more open to criticism. I think this idea of growing throughout life and sort of helping other people along that path is potentially my purpose. But Hey, I may be entirely wrong. And that's okay. Maybe we'll find out I am a moss artist. Yeah. I don't know. It could be Um, the next big moss artist in the world, right? That's a heavy question though, but that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that you, you acknowledge that you don't have to know it all right now. I mean, I think that's something that everyone struggles with a little bit. I think it's silly to think that you would. Yeah. I think anyone who in their 20s or 30s says, I know my purpose. I I think you think you know your purpose. Like, oh, honey, wait (laughs) Wait a few years. (laughs) Right, right. Life doesn't work like that. Life evolves. If life does work like that and it's static, I don't know that I want that life. It would be so boring. So boring. No, life has to evolve and change. Again, getting back to self-care, you need to be open to your life changing. and Right. Absolutely. You don't want it to be static and boring. Right, right. Yeah. Not to call anyone's life boring, but... (laughs) The mail's going to pour in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can email us at podcast at (laughs) alphagamadelta.org. Well, Jen, if someone wants more of you and to find out more about what you do and to hear more of what you do, how would they do that? So you can reach me two ways. One is at my email. It is jennifer at polarisri.com. The RI stands for Rhode Island. Or you can find me on Instagram, which seems to be a really popular way for people to find me. It is jlweaverllc on Instagram. 
Great. And you do more than appear on podcasts. We do. <laughs> we travel. We um, work with people virtually. We have um, an entire caseload of life coaching clients who we connect with every week virtually on video, which seems to be the up and coming way that people sort of deal with their mental health. Yeah. We call it life coaching. It, it really is just sort of wellness sessions where people connect with myself or Daryl every week. And yeah, we just travel and do overall wellness. That's a great thing. And I feel like that's a something that's growing in popularity right now. It, it is. It seems to be life is much more fast paced. So I think we're looking at an entire generation, particularly of women in their 20s and 30s. We're like, listen, I want to focus on myself. I want to focus on my wellness, but I don't have two hours every week to drive into the city, meet with my therapist for an hour and drive home. And we always say, them like awesome you can skype us from your bed at 7 p.m and we can do a 30 minute wellness session and we can connect again in 10 days when you have 30 minutes that's a good way of doing it i think it's important to know that you don't have to be in your 40s or 50s to start this you can start it in your 20s no nor should you it's like great skincare right don't start your skincare in your 40s or 50s um start it when you're 18 so we always tell people like you don't have to wait until your 40s or 50s and you're going through something in your life to connect with us connect with us now while things are relatively good be proactive about your wellness And I think that's important for overall throughout your life to build those skills as well. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was was great to have you. Yeah. I'm glad you had a great time. Thanks. Love, Lead, Listen is recorded and produced at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters and is generously funded by the Alpha Gamma Delta Foundation. Episodes are released every two weeks, so make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. If you like this show, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes, and don't forget to share it with your friends. If you have an idea for a future episode or any other feedback, send us an email at podcast at alphagammadelta.org. I'm your host, Emily Weiss, and that's all for today. See you next time.